So here's where he starts in verse 13. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there, make a profit, and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here, it's here a little it's here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, he will, he will, well, I'm having a hard time reading. Okay, let's start over. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Verse 16, otherwise you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. All right, so let's just start right here for a second as we, this, this finishes up um, chapter 4. Here's what we, we're talking about. Attitude, let me tell you something about attitudes, because we're going to talk about the kind of attitude we need to have that, that I believe James is going to help us with. Um, Chris, could you go to my desk and get that orange string I left in there? The attitude that we're supposed to have is an attitude that's more focused on eternity and less on the now. So we need to understand where our focus should be. And first of all, our focus should be more on the eternal things and less on earthly things. Because he says in this chapter we just talked about that your life, your life, it's like a mist. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. That's what, that's what your life is like. That's what he's saying. Look, don't get so caught up. And all this stuff and thinking you can do this and you can do this and this is what tomorrow holds and this is what tomorrow is going to be about and I can't wait for this and I can't wait for this. What he's not saying is don't plan because the Bible talks about planning your ways but the Lord directs your steps. There's nothing wrong with having plans. But when you start thinking all about you and what you need to do and how you can do it and everything's you, you, you. You got to recognize if you start building a lot of stuff for this life, this life is... It's a vapor. And when you think about that, think, think about how much time, how much time and money and thoughts that we put in to, to earthly life. Not eternal life, even though we know we're going to have it. How much do we put in? You can hand it to me. How much do we have? How much do we think about it? You know, when you think about it, we can get caught up or we can, um, I mean, I've had this conversation a thousand times with people because for some reason, people think I'm going to have the answer for them when they're struggling with the state of our nation or, you know, whatever. What are we going to do? I was like, listen, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, why you let us go here? And I was like, no, you're not. Because when you get to heaven, you could care less what we were going through here. All your questions you think you're going to ask God, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not even going to ask him. You're not even going to, you're going to get to heaven and you're going to be like, whoa. You're not going to think about anything here. This is so temporary. This is so temporary. And it'll help you. Because listen, the Bible says you're not even a citizen of, of here. Your citizenship is in heaven as a child of God. So this is just a little bit, of, this is just a little dot on the map. So think about eternity for a minute. All right. John, will you grab this? Or just take that in. All right. 
So right now, just go, just start walking around. You're fine. Just let me grab this in before you pull too hard. All right, start walking around. There you go. All right. There you go. Keep going. Go, go further. Yep. All right, I don't know if the camera can turn it all to see how long this rope is, but he's out, he's out in the foyer, okay? This, so look at this string, and this is just a side. What, see this little part right here between my two thumbs? That's your life. That's your life compared to eternal life. This is your earthly part of life. All of this is your eternal life. This right here? That's your earthly part. And do you know how many times that we struggle and wrestle and get down and discouraged and upset and frustrated and give up and we just have all this stuff and it's all because of this one little place? And if you step back and look, you're like, it's just a small dot. Like I have so much to be grateful for my eternal life with Jesus forever and ever and ever. And I experience it now, and I'm going to experience it completely to the fullness in heaven. Where there's no tears or sorrow or pain or struggle. And we get so caught up right here because we have a tendency to focus more on our earthly stuff than we do the spiritual stuff. That's why Jesus tells us when we pray, thanks, John, you can come back in and enjoy the service. Just, you can just drop it, it's fine. Well, actually, yeah, we want people to trip. So... But here's the thing. When Jesus prays and he teaches us how to pray in Matthew 6, he says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, keep us in that mindset till we understand about heaven and we understand about eternity because I'm telling you, you're not going to worry about all the stuff you're worried about now. You're just not. And I'm not saying we don't go through times. We do. We go through difficulties. But in the, in the full perspective, listen, we're winners. We win. We, we are more than conquerors. So we have a little bit of a bump here and there. It's like I'm, I hate traveling. I can't stand traveling. Y'all know that. But if, if I'm on a trip, it's amazing that we'll be, we'll be in traffic for two minutes on an eight-hour trip. And I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah. It's, it's just one place. And then we get right through it, and we're good to go. And you can, let, you can let one little thing ruin your whole trip. And you can let this little earthly thing ruin all the, all the joy that you have. Because we were meant to walk in joy for that dot, too, for this little time. We're still supposed to have joy. And here's the thing. No, one's no one is stealing your joy. Because joy comes from the Spirit of God in you. You're just not walking in it because your perspective is on the dot. Instead of the long, the whole, all rest of it. You're focused on one little dot. Oh, this is a tough place for me. And I understand. And we want to be there and help you on that dot. But it's just a small thing. It's just a small thing. And your life is going to, you know, it's as far as earthly, it's here, and then it's gone. So spend it 
focusing on eternity and helping others focus on eternity. Psalms 102 verse 11 confirms what James says. And it says that life passes as swiftly as the evening shadows, withering away like grass as far as our earthly life. It, it goes quick. Listen, don't let the earthly stuff ruin, ruin all that you have. Listen, I, I've, I'll be honest with you. I've, I went through this whole COVID season as a pastor struggling with joy. Because I love being around people. And when we didn't have the doors open and, and, and it, all this, when it first started and just all the uncertainties and being stuck in the middle of trying to make a decision where I know half the people are going to be mad and other half people are going to be you know, happy. And then if I make these people happy, then these people are going to be mad. If I make these people happy, these people are going to be mad. And it doesn't matter. Everyone's going to have their opinions. Everybody's opinions are like elbows. Everybody's got a couple and they're going to share them with you. So it was just like, it was difficult. But I, but I find myself when I can focus on the right thing, saying, God, you know what? You got this. You've carried us through all kinds of stuff. And there are some times that you just got to look back and see the faithfulness of God and think he has been so good. I'm not going to let this one little dot, this one little small thing. And see, some of us need to know, too, that guess what? I'm just going to tell you, COVID is just a dot. It's just a dot. Let people walk through it the way they need to walk through it. Don't judge people. Don't criticize people. It's just a dot. It's a dot for them. It's a dot for you. You lose all your joy because of the dot, you're missing it. You're missing it. The second thing, focus on, the first attitude is focus more on earthly things than or on eternal things than earthly things. The second thing, ask before you act. Our focus should be more on asking before we're acting. In James 4, verse 15 through 17, it says, What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and we'll do this or that. Otherwise, you're only boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So in the beginning, when, he, when James is talking about how you're saying you're going to do this, and you're going to plan this, and you're going to make this profit, and you're going to do this, listen, that's just, it's nothing wrong with planning, but when you're, not, when you're planning without consulting God, then you could be making the wrong plans. You know, when we planted the church over 10 years ago, there, there is in place, in, in our denomination, a structure to plant a church. Classes. Uh, um, I don't even know what the, not gatherings, but just uh, whatever where you're connected with other pastors going through it. And you go through this, uh, it's kind of a class. We go through these books and it's a, like a cohort of pastors that are planning and, and that's in place. And there's a lot of rich information there. A lot of good things, a lot of pastors who have gone through and, and experienced a lot of stuff and have some great wisdom. But for me, the Lord specifically said to me, do not promote it. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, I, I tell people when that, that ask me about, hey, I'm planning a church. What do you think? I tell them, pray and ask the Lord, because 
The only reason I did it that way is because that was the Lord had for me. And there was a reason why he had it for me is because I spent a lot of my time building our youth ministries and doing things and, and trying to always focus so much on getting these great numbers and doing this and doing this. And it was really more of a value for me. It was really more about, you know, I look better if there's more people. My value was attached to it. So I felt like I had to build it because I would feel better about myself. And I didn't recognize that until later on when I, was, when I stepped away from that large ministry that I thought I didn't feel as valuable. And I thought, you know what, my value was in the largeness of the ministry. There's more people, I'm more valuable. Which means if I'm in a smaller church, I'm not as valuable. And the Lord had to help me realize that, listen, it's about obedience. My value comes from being a child of God. And I'll do whatever he asked me to do. So it was one of those, almost like a, a test, almost like, I want you to trust me. And I don't want you to do what you've done with ministry before and go out and try to get everybody here and do these crazy things and these giveaways and try to bring in the best of the best and do all this stuff to just try to get everybody here. I want you to trust me. And I was like, okay. It wasn't that easy. It wasn't like, okay, God, no problem. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Matter of fact, God, just so you know, every pastor I've talked to said that doesn't make sense. And there are pastors telling me, like, how are people, you know, and I even use scripture against the Lord. Like, I was like, okay, God, you're telling me not to tell anybody. But your word says, how will they hear unless someone tells them? That's a scripture. So how are they going to hear? And can I tell you what happened? The second I said okay to that, and I didn't do any plans. I didn't do any flyers. I didn't do mail outs. I didn't talk to people about it. I just started moving towards planning a church. And I get a call. We're in Gatlinburg, Tennessee on vacation with um, Patty's dad and stepmom. We're camping. And, I, and we get this call and this lady says, hey, this sounds weird. But my husband and I were praying. We feel like you're our pastor. And I was like, what? And so, and she's like, are you pastoring? And I was like, we're, we're getting ready to. She's like, well, the Lord told us that we're supposed to be a part of it. So I kind of hung up the phone. And listen, I love Jesus, y'all. And it doesn't shock me. I know God can do it. But I was shocked. I was like, he, he really is going to build it. Like, he can actually get people to come without me asking them. That's amazing. We come home. Uh, someone, one of my kids' teachers in the first grade came to our house because Patty had made her lasagna when she had a baby, which was several years prior, and she just realized, I still have her pain. So she brought it to the house, and she said, can I just talk to you about something? She goes, we've, we've just been wrestling as far as we feel like God's bringing us to a new season of a, with a different church, and we don't know where or what. We just know he's called us to thrive. And, of course, that's the name of our church. And so she started asking us questions, and all of a sudden it's like, we're supposed to be here. And can I just tell you that we would not be where we are today had I built this church. I'm just telling you. We would not be here. This church is a church. As a matter of fact, the only church the gates of hell don't prevail again are the one that he builds. Remember that? And Jesus said, I, referring to who? Jesus, yep. I will build 
my, who is that? Jesus, church. He didn't say, Scott, I'll build your church. Or, Scott, you build my church. He said, I'll build my church. Just be obedient. So sometimes we have to look and consult God because my plans would have been different. My plans would have been get a team. My plans would have been blitz the neighborhood. My plans would have been have a big event to get started. My plans would have been give away a big prize, give away some money, give away a lottery ticket. People will show up. I mean, it's like do whatever you can do to get people here. And we wouldn't be where we are today. We have to consult God and what his will is. James 1.5, we went over this in the very beginning of our series, and it says, if you need wisdom, ask, ask our generous God. He'll give it to you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. He'll show you what path to take. Don't lean on your own self. Listen, don't just plan your own ways. Don't just do your own thing. Lean in on him. Seek what his will is, and he'll direct you. Psalms 37, 23 through 25 the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will not fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young and now I'm old, I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. That started by saying, listen, the steps of the righteous man or a good man are ordered by the Lord. And when you follow his steps, listen, you'll never be begging for bread. You'll never go without. He'll take care of you. So we got to focus more on the eternal, and, and seek his wisdom. We have to focus more on asking and getting, getting help. Have you ever done something and you started and realized, I should have asked? Yeah, have you ever done and you just thought, oh, this, this, this is bad. I got into a place I don't want to be because I thought I knew. Listen, I took a I took several, almost 200 youth on a ski trip one time. I would not recommend doing that. It's a lot. You need several emergency room visits that day. Um, almost one for me. But we were on the ski slopes, and I told everybody, I said, listen, ski in your comfort. Right? Don't, try to be, don't try to be better than you are, um, especially those who snowboard because... When you fall, you, it's usually arms that get messed up, wrists and all that. So we're going, and I'm, I have someone with me, one of the other leaders, and we're going, and I was like, let's go up this lift. And here's what he says. What, where does that go? I said, it just goes up there. I said, I'm not sure. I think it goes here because the sign was either damaged or something, but the sign wasn't clear of where it was. We got, so we started going, and... And I knew because he even said, he said, we need to find out where that goes. And I said, well, you can tell it doesn't go all the way up to the top. So, well, guess what it did? Went to the top. Listen, I'm a Florida boy, right? We didn't snow ski. Never. I've never snow skied, so I was youth pastoring, taking a bunch of teenagers. But I learned that when you snow ski, you do what they call like a pizza. You point your skis in, and you just kind of, that's, that's how you try to start out. Well, we get going, and all of a sudden, I realize halfway up, like, bro, we're, we're in trouble. So I, we get to the top, and I ask the guys, hey, can we ride this down? He's like, no, you have to exit. I'm like, I don't know how to ski. 
He's like, well, you have skis on. He said, if you want to take your skis off and go down the side, I mean, just walk sideways or whatever. So we get over there, and I was like, all right. You know, the other guy, he had skied, so he was a little bit better, but he wasn't a pro. Well, I get off the lift, and I fall just getting off the lift. And then I get over there, and I get adjusted, and I look down, and I'm, I'm telling you, it is steep. And I look over, and I'm like, this is a black diamond, which is the professional type. It's green is where I should have been. Then it goes to blue, where I still shouldn't have been. Then it goes to the black diamonds, where I definitely don't ever belong. But there was one way down. So I just decided I'm just going to turn my skis and I'm just going to go and pray. (laughs) And I'm telling you, you pick up speed really fast. And I am screaming like a little girl through my mask, my goggles, my arms are like this. I mean, I have, my poles are out. Like, I just know this is it. Like, I'm like, make sure Patty knows I love her. Make sure, you know what I mean? It's like, it's over for me. I can't, I don't know how to turn. I can't, if people are in front of me, it's like, good luck. I'm going to, I'm going to take you with me because I will not go down by myself. Listen, it was the worst experience I had. I, I, I fell, and when, when you fall on one of those, you don't just like boom. You're like, oh, man. You're just like, da-da, 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 all the way down. I did what they call a yard sale. In other words, all my apparel is everywhere. There's poles, there's skis, there's hats, there's goggles. It's everywhere. And you know how it started? Thinking I knew where I was going. Thinking I knew what I was doing. I didn't ask anybody, where does this go? Because they would have said, to the top. And I would have said, okay, well, could you point me to the, the bunny slope or the kid slope? But see, those are just, we do that all the time. We get going and we just think we know. We say, oh, I know how to handle this. And we handle it, but we don't know that sometimes we go to handle something and it turns into a mess. And we don't even think to stop and ask God. You should ask God on every decision that you face. Getting a job, whether you should accept a promotion, whether you should move, whether you should stay, whether you should go here, whether you should go there, whether you should, this school is good for your kids, I mean, whatever. Even sometimes in the world we live in, just going out somewhere, Lord, direct me. Keep me safe. He'll talk to you. He'll let you know. All right? Here's the third one. Focus more on giving and less on getting. That's what James talks about. Look at chapter 5. Now, again, this is James. This is what I love about James. He says, look here, you rich people. That's how he starts. Now, can I just tell you? Because some of you have already said, well, that's not me. He ain't talking to me. Listen, you are in the top 25% of the world. As Americans, we are blessed. And you are rich. You are rich. I think I heard a statistic that said like three-fourths of the world survives on less than $300 a month. I think it's even worse than that, actually. As far as globally, I mean, the entire world. 
we're blessed. I mean, you're here. We're, we just, we're just blessed. So this, this applies to you. All right? So here's what he says. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all your terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away. Your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver have become worthless. The very wealth you were counting on will be eaten away, will eat away your flesh like fire. This treasure you have accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. For listen, here's the cry of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The wages you've held back cry against you. The cry of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of the heavens armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your own evil desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. So James is pretty straight up. If James was preaching that somewhere, you would not go to that church probably. You'd probably like, well, he is like, what? he's mean. Like, what is he? T-? He said that I was just fattening myself and being all selfish. Well, that's what he's talking about there. Because what he's talking about isn't, it isn't an issue with, with money. It's an issue with an attitude of pleasing yourself and gathering and gaining and gaining and gaining. Because he talks about, you're even cheating the people that are working for you. Because it's all about you getting. It's all about you having. This, 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 is, this plagues our world that we live in. It's all about getting Getting, getting. And Jesus, the Lord, is all about giving, giving, giving. Nothing wrong with you getting, but the focus is not to satisfy me. The focus is in satisfying the Lord and being a blessing. And so James just takes it straight up and talks about the fact of, Listen, this gathering all this stuff here, this is temporary. Remember, this is temporary. You can't take your, you can't take your money with you. You can't take all this stuff with you. Nothing wrong with having it. Nothing wrong with having it. The Bible says there's nothing wrong. Listen, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. If you have a good job, you're blessed. There's nothing wrong with that. If you have money, that's okay. But if money has you, you're in trouble. And that's where you have to be careful. And that's what James is talking about, is making sure that we don't get so caught up in just being self-focused that we're all about just getting. That we don't live our life that's all about us. It's amazing through all that we've gone through and all the things that have happened in the last couple of years that how many of our things that we say or the posts that we post or the, the things that we read are all somehow trying to make us feel better. That we're, we're wanting to, to prove something to make us feel better. And then here's the reality. Look, we, we're blessed. And we're blessed no matter, we're blessed because of Jesus, not because of what we have. But in our everyday life, we need to understand that there is a part of what God has called us to do, and that is being a blessing and, and, and loving and kind towards others. And if we don't do that, we're missing it. We're missing those opportunities to, to, be, 
to be a blessing. Look at what the scripture says. First Timothy 6, 6 through 8 says, Yet true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we, can take, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. In other words, we can't, listen, you're not going to take any of that stuff with you. Did you ever hear this? It was uh, a story about a guy who was very, very wealthy, had just a lot of money, and uh, he was on his deathbed, and he told his wife, he said, listen, I worked hard for all this money. And I want to take it with me. I want you to put all of my money with me in the casket. And it was millions of dollars. And she's like, what what about me and the kids? And he said, listen, I worked so hard for that. And it's just, I mean, it's just part of who I am. And I need you to honor this wish. Please honor the wish. And, of course, she's on his deathbed, so his wife, she said, okay. She said, all right, I'll do it. So at the funeral, uh, she walks up, and she's, you know, service is over, and she's paying her final respects, and she takes this box, and she lays it in this casket, and they close it, and they, they bury him. And some of her friends come up afterwards and say, what was in that box? And she said, you know, he, he asked me. If he would be buried with all of that money, every everything we had, he wanted it. So he wanted it in his casket, so I honored it. She said, well, what are you going to do? She said, well, I just, I wanted to be, I wanted to honor what he did, so I wrote him a check. And uh, if he could cash it, he could use it. But otherwise, that money's still good. It's still in the bank. Um, so... So anyway, yeah, okay. Luke 12, verse 15. Listen to this, just so you know. He said, beware, guard against every kind of greed, because life is not measured by what you own. Listen, your your life isn't measured by what you have. But you know how we do here on earth? We tend to see people better if they have more and less if they have less. And the Bible's letting us know that's not what life, that's not how you measure life. That's not how you measure life at all. It's not, about, it's not about how much. It's not about what you have or what you don't have. It's about the heart of what you do. Remember the, the people that gave all this big offering, and then you have that widow that came in and just gave a couple little pennies? And who, who was honored? And who was blessed? The one who gave the little, because it was a lot to her. And that's, that's, that's part of the idea of saying, look, it's not about just what we can get. It's about what we can give. It's about being a blessing. You know, I I say this not in a bragging way, but I think you have to know that this principle works. And for those who have been here a long time, I could just tell you, we as a church, we give, we give a lot. Every councilman we talk about who we're giving money to, what company, what business, what church we want to bless. Listen, we have bought chairs for churches. We have bought computers for churches. We have bought things for pastors. We have paid for land for missionaries. We have done all kinds of stuff, a church our size, and we have spent a ton of money. And I can tell you, 
through everything, we are so blessed. Because here's what the Bible says, that he gives seed to the sower. If you bless people, God will bless you. But if you give only to be blessed, that's not really giving. That's a selfish motive. But giving to give and to honor the Lord and to recognize all that he's given to you and that you want to be a blessing and give that way, you know that you will be blessed, but you're not just like, okay, I need more money, so I'm going to give this way so I can get more. Okay, that's not the motivation of giving. The motivation is giving to say, I want to bless you. And we have done that as a church consistently. And we are, we are doing very well financially. That's why we don't pressure people to give. Listen, here's, you guys are faithful at giving. And that's how God has set it up. Tithe, bring your tithe into the storehouse so we can do all that he wants us to do. And you guys are great at doing that. But can I tell you, God was meeting my needs before any of y'all ever showed up. And God will meet my needs even after you leave. Because God is the source. For me, God is the source for this church. God uses you and your tithes and offerings as a resource. And God uses other things as a resource. But listen, you will be blessed as a result of sincere giving. And we have. I can't tell you how many times we've given money, and then the next, the next, the next month we're looking at the same financial reports, and we're like, we, have, we, gave, we gave money away, and we have more than what we started with. Yeah, that's normal around here. We blessed a, a nonprofit. They were doing um, some work. Uh, with special needs kids and all, and they were it was joy prom and they were doing all that and we we gave some money to help uh, pull that off and it was we gave twenty five hundred dollars. The next the next week or the next month, someone wrote a check and put it in the mailbox for twenty five thousand dollars. Did we go out there and was like oh? We were like you know what God you're amazing, like you, He does this all the time. Because that's who he is. God is a giving God. And that's what, that's what we want to focus about. Look at Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. Give freely, become more wealthy. Be stingy, lose everything. The generous will prosper, but those who refresh others themselves will be what? Refreshed. There's something good about blessing someone that blesses you. As a parent, you remember when you were a kid at Christmas and how excited you were to get gifts? And do you know how it is now with kids, how excited you are to watch them open their presents? See, that's, that's, the, that's the growth. Going from getting, now it's the joy of giving. And it should be that way as believers, like, oh, God, thank you for this, and thank you for this, and thank you for this. You, this is like Christmas every day with Jesus. But now it's also like, God, I want to see those people blessed because I've seen what you've done in me, and I want to be a part of helping others to experience that same thing. And that's all. That's, 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 how, that's how the process goes. As we grow, we get more excited about giving. And then the last thing, we talked about focus on eternal things more than earthly things. We ask before we act. More about giving, less about getting. And then we focus on patience through the process. And, and, the, and it talks about, uh, in verse 7, uh, we'll pull that up of James chapter 5. 
Brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For example, a patient suffering and dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endured suf under suffering. For instance, you knew about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. As we, as we finish today, this whole be patient thing, um, man, it's, it's valuable. Because here's what it's talking about. It's being patient in the Lord's return. That he had all this stuff that we talked about as far as being better about giving and less about getting and asking the Lord's will before we do things and really making sure we get his uh, advice and wisdom on it. Focusing on eternal things. Listen, here's the thing. We're, we're here for a short time. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming again. And I, I think it's close. And I promise you this, I said it was close last time, but it's even closer than it was then. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know when it is, but I just know it's close. And I know that when we look at stuff sometimes and we look at things that we're facing, it's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to think, I have such a long way to go. When is this going to change? And when is this? And when is this? But can I just tell you, be patient through the process. Because God, listen, one is God, he's with you. And he's taking care of you. And he's helping you through this. This book of James, God is the one that's helping us to grow in these areas. And be patient. Be patient with yourself. Sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves. Be patient and let what God's doing, let what he's speaking to you, begin to just walk it out every day, trusting him, seeking him. The things we've talked about. Seek him every day. He'll lead you through it. But just remember this, this is very temporary. He's coming soon. And all this is done. All this earthly stuff is done. And it'll, it'll be a great day of celebration. It, it'll be an exciting time for all of us. And you're going to look back and you're not even going to think about this. You, you're not, you're going to be so caught up in the and the goodness and the, the peace and the joy and the worship that's going on in heaven that nothing else matters. So just, just be patient. Just relax. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the process. Listen, the farmers, they had to wait. When they planned this stuff, it took some time. They didn't see, they didn't see a harvest right away. There is no, there is no, wow, how did they say it? There is no microwave version of farming. I mean, you can't just put it in the ground and say, okay, I'm going to add this to it. It'll be up tomorrow. It doesn't go that way. It's, it's the process of seed, time, and harvest. It's that process. But just be patient. We struggle so much with patience because we're always in a hurry. We're always trying to get somewhere. We're always trying to do something. Listen, I'm in one of the busiest seasons of my life right now. And part of that is my own fault. 
part of it is just we have a lot of transition here. We got a lot of things going on in the church and the role I play for our district, for our region, and the North Carolina pastors. You know, I have stuff going on there. I'm a softball coach for our, my daughter's softball travel team. It's just a lot going on. But I still have to find time to just be patient and rest and trust that God's got this. And I'm learning. I'm learning to do it. But he's coming again, and, and, and we need to be excited about it. Galatians 5.22 says that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So again, it comes from the Spirit of God. You don't have to try to work it up. It's part of the, having the Spirit of God with you. And then look at this last verse as we close. First Thessalonians. Here's what it says. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. The first the believers who have died will rise from their graves. And then listen to this. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Now look at the next verse. Encourage each other with these words. Man, I can't believe all that. Listen, can I just tell you, Jesus is coming soon. And we're going to get caught up in the air. And we're going to be with other believers. And the dead in Christ will rise. And we're going to be right there with them. And then we're going to be with God forever and ever and ever. So yes, I know today's a tough day for you. But can I just remind you that it's just a dot. It's just a dot. But we are going to be forever with the Lord. And we'll look back and we won't even think about it. We need to get excited about the coming of Jesus. Because it, it gives you something to look forward to. You ever know you can, you can handle that last week of work before you go on vacation because you know vacation is coming. And you're like, okay, that's right. This is my last day. Once I finish this, boom, I'm beach bound, baby. I am like out right here. So that day, it doesn't matter how much happens, you're just, there's something in you, this extra burst of endurance, this extra amount of patience, this extra boost of, of perseverance. You just think, I'll get through it because guess what? Tomorrow, I'm out of here. Guess what? This world is crazy. This is where we live in. It's crazy stuff happening. But we're getting ready to roll out. We're getting ready to. And here's the thing. The Bible says in Peter that God is patient. And he wants others on this journey with us. So he's patient. that He hasn't come yet because he's patient. And he wants, he wants all, he wants everybody to, to get in on this. But we need to be excited about it. Whenever, I told this story every time I think about Jesus coming again, how excited we should be. Because whenever we had company come to our house, Zach loves people. So he's just, don't you? Yeah, he does. So he loves people. And we were saying, hey, you know, so-and-so, they're coming to the house. So our steps that go upstairs come down, and then there's the front door. So this would be Zach. This would be Zach about 30 minutes before they get there. Zach's on the steps, looking out the window. Hey, Grandma and Grandpa will be here in a few minutes. Or, you know. Or, you know, Uncle Danny or Uncle Dale or whoever. It's like, they'll, they'll be here in a few minutes. And he would sit there, and he would sit there, and he would sit there. He could care less what's going on around him. He could care less what's going on. 
anywhere else. All he knows is that any minute, somebody's coming to our house. And I'm waiting for him. What if we had that response? With all the stuff going on, what if we just thought, you know what? He's coming soon. I can't wait for him to come. It is going to be such a glorious day for all of us. You know, I, I want other people to know he's coming. I don't want anybody to miss this. Let's start looking. Let's start anticipating. Let's eagerly wait with patience. Say, man, we got a, we got a God who loves us. He's going to rescue us. That's, that's how we're supposed to encourage each other. How many of you honestly have been encouraged by someone that Jesus is coming again? See, we don't do it a lot. We don't. We get so caught up in today, so caught up in our story, our stuff. And I know that stuff is real, and we got to pay attention to it too. But don't lose sight of the eternal thing, that Jesus is coming again, that this ain't the final thing. This ain't it. It doesn't end. This is not the end of the story. We win. We get rescued. We get taken to this beautiful home. God has a mansion for us. He's already prepared. And he's going to come again for us and receive us unto himself. Be encouraged with that. Be encouraged. Whatever you face this week, it's just a dot. It's just a dot. Let's pray.